0: This is talking back. I'm your host Dr. Paula Sperry. For the next half hour, I invite you to join me as we explore health issues in the news and learn from those involved in keeping our community healthy. Our goal is not to diagnose or to suggest treatment, but to celebrate your body's innate potential to heal itself. Today, I am with Dawn Walsh, who's the co-founder and executive director of The Lily House, a community home for living and dying here on Cape Cod in Wellfleet. Thank you for joining me today you know i mean this is kind of a taboo topic for a lot of people people don't like to talk about death it's true
1: Um, we have in general a pretty death phobic culture i think but what we're doing at the lily house in addition to actually providing a home for 24 7 end of life care for Mm -hmm. folks who don't have the resources to die in their own home Mm -hmm. which is the vast majority of us 80 percent of folks would like to die at home but only Hmm. 20% do. Is
0: that right?
1: Yeah, we can unpack why that statistic is the way it is. We are responding to a very specific need for at-home end-of-life care, Mm -hmm. and also in the process, engaging with this larger national grassroots cultural sea change, challenging us, inviting us to think differently and engage differently with death
0: and dying and end-of-life we seem to live between prenatal and post-mortem, but we don't think of the two ends, really. <laughs> right. It gets all woo-woo for some people, and, uh, you know, generally we don't really right. talk about.
1: And that's, yeah, that's um, the work of the Lily House, again, in addition to providing an actual community home, is to to engage in community education and conversation events to help us all become more, comfortable talking about death and dying. How I came to this work was through starting out as a hospice volunteer here on the Outer Cape mm-hmm. and seeing right away how most people that I was working with were dying in hospitals, nursing homes, long-term care facilities, not at home. And I would have the rare person who had the support to die at home, and it was shocking the difference in experience and the oh, really, life experience. The person. As a culture, we have just really evolved, in my opinion, to conditions that don't support at home death. I mean, birth is labor, it's work. It's true. Right? right? And so is death. Dying is hard work, and it's hard work for the person who's dying, and it's also hard work for the people who are there to support that person in the dying process. It's 24 seven, it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's physical. Mm. And even if someone who's dying, say, has a partner or even family or friends nearby, they often have full-time jobs, and lives, and kids, and commitments. Um, Or maybe if it's an elderly couple, the partner is not able to provide that kind of intense 24-7 care, administering pain medications, and Mm -hmm. helping with toileting, and dressing, and repositioning. It's it's often too much. A lot of folks here on the Cape, in the outer Cape, Mm -hmm. who may have moved here to make chosen family we are each other's family more folks than I knew dying alone you know having nobody at the bedside to witness to bear witness to support to help them understand what's happening Mm -hmm. and to love them let them know it's going to be okay hold a hand and it was heartbreaking in one scenario with a woman who was dying alone Said, oh, this is just not okay. We need a community mm-hmm. home alternative
0: to yeah. this.
1: So that's where the Lily House came from. Co founded the Lily House with a hospice nurse named Hannah Ewart out of Yarmouth, an end of life doula and community um, organizer, Paula Erickson out of Wellfleet, and myself, who's an, also an end of life doula and a home funeral guide and death educator. And we learned about this concept of the social model hospice home. This is a grassroots local community response to this nationwide need for dying alternatives to hospitals, nursing homes, long-term care facilities. When you get on hospice and in your home by yourself and you're dying, You can't stay at home. It becomes unsafe, untenable. That was part of what I was witnessing too. Right, so where do you go? Exactly. That's why you go to a hospital in a time of crisis. Mm -hmm. You get shuttled around because if you don't have financial resources to just pay, you're like literally dying, and I've witnessed this, and you're like waiting for a Medicare bed to open up somewhere. Mm. That is not okay. Right especially in our small communities here. That's what we do here. We see a community need, we come together, and we offer a community solution. And then that's the heart of the Lily House. Like right now, as we speak, there is somebody on the Cape who is dying, Mm-hmm. Who cannot stay safely at home? The medical hospice providers are scrambling to figure out where this person can
0: safely go to can die. Can you imagine having to scramble like when you're ready to give birth to figure out where you're going to like have that baby? I mean, right?
1: Well, it goes goes back to your point of kind of death phobia and and how we're not comfortable talking about death and dying, let alone planning for it. So <laughs> everyone knows when. We talk about who we want to be there, where we want to be, et cetera, et cetera. We make all kinds of pre-planning choices for our birth experience. That's part of the work of The Lily House, helping us plan for our end of life experience.
0: When does planning for an end of life experience begin? Right now, this very second. (laughs) I was thinking. This very second. I mean, can you be like six years old and be planning for your end of life?
1: Sure, why
0: not? Um,
1: (laughs) I think, for me personally, well, and there's a saying for folks of us who do this end-of-life work, that it's always too soon
0: until it's too late. That's a great saying. Thank you for tuning in to Talking Back. (laughs) I'm with Dawn Walsh today. She's the co-founder and executive director at the Lily House in Wellfleet, in a community home for living and dying. And we are talking about Oh, lots of things. What is the lily house? What is death? How do we prepare for this big event in our our life? Actually, it's a big life event. What about the people around us who kind of don't want us to leave? Try to convince us that, no, 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 don't die. We're going to try to help you stay here and keep you alive. Life support and those types of issues. That's a great
1: question. For me, I like to put forward the concept and the practice of impermanence. Nothing lasts forever. I like to pose the question, what if we were to develop a practice, a contemplation, a lived experience of impermanence, and really started contemplating the fact that we are all going to die, ourselves, our loved ones, our neighbors, our pets, our pets. Not to say that when an end of life experience is happening, It's not full of all kinds of emotions, including sadness, right? And longing and kind of holding on and love and worry and anxiety. All of those things can still be there. I think at the same time, though, if we can really start today, this very second, bring in this concept that we're all going to die, to start to develop a relationship with our mortality.
0: That's so important.
1: That... Yeah, that when we get there, whether it's our own death or the death of a loved one, there's a way, perhaps, that we can bring more of a looseness to that experience versus, like you said, a kind of a holding, a
0: grasping, a clinging. There's a lot of death deniers out there. hmm You know, acceptance is really important because, uh, you know, people are, who are dying, Dawn, are they really losing the battle Do you know what I mean? Like, you hear that all the time. Like, you're going to be dying. Oh, you're losing the battle.
1: There are people who have come to the end of their life really quite with open arms, with a level of acceptance, with grace, with gratitude, with love. And there's an acceptance. Again, it doesn't mean that you're going to have other feelings as well. You could still be scared because none of us have died before. Like we don't know (laughs) where we're going or what's happening. But that's the important part too about having the Lily House and having a place where we can come together as community to help us understand what's happening during the dying process. Mm -hmm. Again, to bear witness, to be present, to hold a hand, to shower one with love, and to help alleviate any worries and fears and anxieties that might be there. You're right. I mean, there's a lot of death denying in our culture. A friend of mine did residency in an ER room in Boston and said, you would not believe how many people show up in the emergency room and they are dying, not because they had a motorcycle accident, because they're old or they have chronic illness that's moved into an end-of-life situation. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're dying. Yeah. But nobody has told them that they're dying. Nobody has talked to them about the fact that they're dying. Wow. And that was shocking to me. He said, you know, what needs to change in part, there's so many things, you know, that we're working on in this positive death movement. One of them is, you know, how are our doctors being trained to talk to their patients about death and dying and end of life? Well, historically, they haven't been. Keep you alive at all costs. That's right. It's starting to change. It's starting mm. to change. You know, um, in med school, there are starting to be curriculum developed to talk okay. to young medical students about how to talk about death and dying. But boy, historically, that has not been the case. And that's part of the death phobia mm-hmm. and the part of the reason why we're death deniers and et cetera, et cetera. I'm hopeful that these things are changing. And by, you know, having this conversation with you and for all of the listeners, you know, it is part of making this cultural sea change. The whole end point of this, no pun intended, (laughs) is, you know, is that we support each other to have absolutely the highest quality end of life experience possible.
0: So how do people communicate within family units about their own demise? Yeah, absolutely. How do you get that conversation started?
1: Yes. There are some great resources on the web. There's a whole initiative called The Conversation Project. If you just go online and search for The Conversation Project, Mm -hmm. there are resources to help guide you with how to start these conversations with your family. I facilitate through the Lily House death cafes, which are bringing people together in public spaces and community centers and libraries and churches.
0: To... So these are things that come up regularly that you yeah. can go to... Um, I've heard them announced on WOMR radio, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I actually just facilitated a death cafe at um, the Weldon Library down in West Barnstable just last week or the week before. How do people show up for those things? Oh, they're wildly popular. Okay. Um, you would be surprised, or yeah. not surprised, based on our conversation, because we don't have a culture that is comfortable talking about death, but we are all carrying around thoughts, worries, questions, experiences that we have no outlet for. There's been like 40, 50 people who come. Wow. Because we're all so hungry and eager to actually talk about this topic. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, at the end... You'd think we just finished a dance party. <laughs> Everyone is, yeah, you're laughing. Everyone is laughing. The energy is light. My experience is that there's been such a release of
0: energy. And a lifting of the burden that. And a lifting of, of that, that burden. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That people are, um, they're lighter, they're happier, they're exchanging phone numbers. They've made friends.
0: It's profound. How many of those death cafes does the Lily House and you, Don Walsh, how, uh, how many of those do you sponsor a year?
1: Oh, several, it varies. There's no set schedule, but I hold them regularly. And then anyone can go to deathcafe.com and you can type in your zip code and a death cafe near you will pop up or any death cafes happening near you will pop up because it's an international actual social franchise. Wow. So anyone can host and facilitate a death cafe if you follow
0: the parameters. Now I understand the Lily House is a non-profit organization which means you probably need donations and volunteers <laughs>
1: yes i thank you for that question yes we are definitely um, by the community for the community grassroots organization and so as such we do rely on community giving i have to say that um, our communities have been exceedingly generous in their giving to the lily house financially as well as with time and expertise here. So thank you, everyone listening who has participated and given to the Lily House. The volunteers are the heartbeat of our home. So we do have a volunteer application online, thelilyhouse.org. We welcome you to fill out an application and send that in. We're actually not open and operating in this moment. We are in the middle of doing some renovations to the house. The home was bequeathed to us by Wellfleet resident Sandy Wonders at the end of her life. It was a very beautiful, poignant gift that she made to us. And so the house is beautiful. It's a minute's walk to the Wellfleet Bay. So we're building out accessible ensuite bathrooms for each of the resident bedrooms, Mm -hmm. bringing in an accessibility ramp, for example, and just um, upgrading it cosmetically. There have been an endless amount of... Local tradespeople and businesses who have given pro bono and/or discounted labor and/or materials to this mm. project—it mm-hmm. has truly been a barn raising model. We want folks to know that this lily house belongs to all of us. It mm. is truly our community home for end of life every step of the way it's really important to me as one of the co-founders and the executive director that we give our communities an opportunity to literally be a part of this so there's an increasingly growing
0: sense of belonging wow hey today we are speaking with Don walsh Don is the co-founder and executive director of our lily house and it's a community home for living and dying now dawn I'm curious, it, you say it's for living and dying. So, can you explain the living part? Absolutely. You're very astute,
1: Paula, for pulling that out. I appreciate that question because that's a very intentional. Phrase As I had mentioned before, you know, we often say it's always too soon before it's too late about planning for end of life. Another saying that I like to use is don't die until you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> when one dies in a hospital or nursing home or a facility of some sort, which again is 80% of us nationwide, which is wow. why we're doing The Lily House, one loses a lot of agency and dignity, right, and free will, because you were there bound to the schedule of where you're staying, right, in rotation for when you get bathed, or when you eat, Mm -hmm. right, um, or when you have visitors. So at the Lily House, the emphasis is equally on living and dying. So the folks who come to the Lily House at the end of their lives will be supported to live absolutely as fully as possible until the time of death with as much dignity and agency and free will, with grace, you know, and compassion and love until the time of death. So that means if, so residents will come to us sometimes already bed-bound and might die the next day. Mm-hmm. Some residents might come to us still with, say, three months to live because that's the marker for eligibility at the Lily House is a three-month three or months, less okay. diagnosis.
0: Once you have that. Right. So, But, but what doctor going to give you that if their job is to keep you alive well, and they don't like to discuss... You know, you're dying because their job is to keep you living.
1: Well, that's a really great question. I mean, and sometimes I actually, in my role as an end of life doula, when I work with families, I work a lot with families that you had a question earlier about like family dynamic. Right. I do a lot of facilitation of like sibling groups to help them get on the same page with what's happening and talking about what's happening, very important. It is family dynamic and even friend group dynamic, right? It's a dynamic. If you have a terminal illness and you've decided to stop treatment, you know, it's time for hospice. You can't believe how many folks I have counseled who come to me and they say like, my mom or my dad is clearly like ready for hospice. And The doctors aren't talking to us about it. They're not giving us that option. And I say, I'm sorry, but in this case, it's going to be up to you to say to your doctor, I want to talk about hospice now. We are ready to get my mom or
0: my dad, medical hospice care. So the loved ones really are the initiators of that conversation. I
1: mean, not always, but they shouldn't ever really have to be. Again, because there's so much death phobia and doctors aren't always trained to talk about that or to bring that up. Sometimes families having to bring it up themselves, regardless of how you kind of get there. You know, once a doctor gives you a medical diagnosis of six months or less to live, Mm -hmm. that is when one becomes eligible for Medicare funded medical hospice benefits, right? And the reason um, at the Lily House, we are eligibility is three months or less is because at six months or less, it's not uncommon sometimes for folks to actually live much longer than that. You get on hospice, you kind of get your pain managed, you get stabilized, and then you kind of rally, and sometimes you kind of go on and off hospice. But at the three month or less prognosis, that and is that, really three months phase, or less. So, right. you know, we wanna minimize being in a position where we need to discharge somebody because oh actually you're not actively dying anymore. <laughs>
0: Guess what, you're right. <laughs> right. But going
1: back to the yeah. point about living, yeah. one comes to the Lily house at a th- kind of three month marker mm-hmm. and you're actually still able to get up and walk around and get yourself to the bathroom and to the kitchen. We will support you if that's the case to, you know, you could go make a cup of tea you know, two o'clock in the morning if you want, or we'll make it for you, right? Or we will cook you your favorite foods absolutely whenever you want them, right? Your friends and family can come 24-7 and be with you. They can go in the kitchen and cook themselves 24-7, whatever they want, whenever they want. Mm -hmm. So again, this is a home um, where the dying residents, again, will be supported to live as fully as they're able until the time of death. We equally support any
0: friends or family
1: they have with them.
0: There must be some staff or some other people there at the same time. Yes, of course, so
1: we'll be... um, staff 24 7 and we're looking by the way to open our doors by the end of this spring and so folks can donate at org. once we're open yes we'll have 24 7 staff our staff will work very closely with medical hospice providers so so at the Lily house we provide the actual home and the 24-7 care compassionate personalized bedside companionship and care the medical hospice providers provide just that the medical care so when a resident moves into the Lily house they will bring with them their medical hospice team who will manage and oversee that medical care but they're not 24-7 right they come once a day or a few times a week check in how's the pain readjust your pain meds and then they leave we fill in all of those other 23 hours of the day but really is our volunteers again that are the heart of the lily house they will be trained right in end-of-life care Um, and those volunteers will be the ones actually at the bedside, you know, at any time, day or night, listening to stories, reading, singing, holding a hand, readjusting a pillow, giving sips of water, all of the beautiful um, human connections that we want at the end of our life. We have the good fortune to have a natural dying process versus a traumatic accident or something. That is sacred. It really is. To be able to show up for each other,
0: to bear witness to that, is what the Lily House is all about. So say you're with someone who's dying and it's you there. You're the end-of-life doula. And the person goes into the death process, has their last breath, And you could just tell that they were there a moment ago, but they're not there now. Mm -hmm. What do you feel?
1: Oh my gosh, me personally, when I have been at the bedside, it's always hard to put words around it. It's sacred, it's spiritual, whatever kind of that means to the listener, whatever that means to me, I don't know, but it it is the great mystery right? There's not a lot of mystery to birth. We kind of understand how it works. And then voila, here's a person in the world. Um, (laughs) But we don't know. I don't know. I'll just say me. I don't know what happens after one dies. There's the great mystery. But what I do know, what I do experience is this separation of spirit or soul or consciousness from the physical form. And That never ceases to amaze me, to move me, because when that is not in the body, again, however you understand it, a soul, a spirit, a consciousness, when that is not there, the body, this physical form that is animating you and me right now as we sit in these chairs is gone. And it is truly just a physical vessel that has held that consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that is endlessly fascinating to me like what was that <laughs> where did it go <laughs> when uh, yeah and where did it go but even equally as curious as where when is like what is it because we are all so uniquely different you know we've got big personalities that animate us and like what is that and where <laughs> does it go you, they, but it's gone can pe- a lot of people talk about this you can still sometimes feel a sense of spirit you know in the room in the space for quite some time afterwards Um, but it's not in the body some religions
0: say 45 days
1: right if some religions say you know three days 45 days 72 hours you know everyone has different thoughts about Mm it um and so that's one of the reasons why i am so personally passionate about home funerals so of all of the end of life work that i do Um, I really love doing home funeral work with folks, just sharing with folks that you have the human and legal right to stay with your loved one after death as long as you want. Mm. And that is also part of the dying process, that time after death, right? It's Mm -hmm. a process. And There is no law that says you have to call anybody by any certain amount of time after death if it's a natural dying process, right? Right. You know, if you're on hospice and everyone is anticipating this death is coming and and your loved one dies, I always offer to people, stay and sit and be present absolutely as long as you want, as long as you're comfortable because it is a profound time to honor your loved one who has just died, talk to them, to touch them, to love them, to kiss them. You know, if you're having a home funeral, to to do wash wash their body. You know, even if it's ceremonial or ritual, dress them, brush their hair, uh, give them a kiss on the forehead, and just be with that experience. Just. Be with it there's no
0: rush there's no hurry right well it's been a beautiful conversation I feel like I just attended a birth but we've been talking about death the whole time Don thank you so much for uh, joining us on talking back and uh, telling us a little bit about the Lily house where it's located in Wellfleet right
1: yes we're at 40 Pocahontas Road in the Indian Neck neighborhood of Wellfleet Again, folks are welcome to drive by and take a look. We're planning to be open by the end of spring, but we've got all kinds of construction work happening. <laughs> um, volunteer work days. We're doing yeah. the barn raising approach to this. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to volunteer with the Lily House, please go online and fill out a volunteer application. And if you're inspired to give financially, that's always welcome. And the most important thing to know uh, to you folks who are listening at is that the Lily House is a community home for all of us.
0: And definitely look into the Death Cafe that Dawn and others will put on here to get your mind wrapped around when you're not going to be here anymore. So, Dawn, if people want to find out more by going onto your website, what is the address on the on the web?
1: We are the Lily House with one L and that's one L and altogether the Lily House mm-hmm. L-I-L-Y
0: 1 L org. Perfect. Well, we've been talking to Don Walsh today. i like to thank you for being a guest. And uh, if you ever would like to come back and talk about more stuff around this fascinating topic, I would love to have you back on the program. Oh,
1: thanks, Paul. I would love that. There's no shortage of things to talk about. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs>
0: Thank you for tuning in to Talking Back. Talking Back is heard on WOMR Radio at 92.1 FM at this time each week. If you have news or comments to share or you would like to be a guest on Talking Back, write, call, or email this station, care of Dr. Paulus Berry, WOMR FM Radio, Post Office Box 975, Provincetown, Massachusetts, 02657. Or you can give us a call. We're at 508-487-2619 or 1-800-921-9667. We're also at www.womr.org online. Tune in next week. And until we meet again, please remember to love your body.